Hi, I'm Rachna. I'm Natalie. And I'm Christy. And welcome to the Triage Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Triage, the podcast that keeps you on beat with the latest healthcare and wellness discussions from the perspective of three women across the spectrum of healthcare. My name is Natalie, and I'm in my final year of my Master of Public Health program at Rutgers University. My name is Rachna, and I'm a third-year medical student currently working through my clinical rotations. Hi, my name is Christy, and I currently work in healthcare in the oncology and cardiology space. Today, we are having a conversation about heart disease, hypertension, and how to advocate for your heart health. In 2018, nearly half a million deaths in the United States included hypertension as a primary cause or a primary or contributing cause, and heart disease is the leading cause of death for men, women, and people of most racial and ethnic groups in the United States. Listeners, I'm sure that you could think of a few folks in your life who have hypertension or heart disease, or maybe that's you yourself, so that's really why we wanted to have this episode for you today to talk about how to advocate for yourself. Only about one in four adults with hypertension have their condition under control, and one person dies every 36 seconds in the United States from cardiovascular disease. That statistic itself is crazy to me because that's two times basically a minute that someone is dying from these types of diseases. So I don't know, it's very scary to think about. Absolutely. I think that's why this conversation is so pressing because... In our society, so much of this is placed on individual blame, but as we're going to explore this a little bit further into the episode, we don't share that perspective really at all. We feel like it's a community health issue, it's a national health issue, and it's something that prevention is achievable through program intervention. Yeah, and with COVID, um, that is affecting the heart, and we don't know to the extent just yet, because it, it's hard to research something as it's happening and come to conclusions about something as it's happening. But more and more people who do contract uh, COVID-19 are having long-term effects on their heart. Um, and this may not mean high blood pressure slash hypertension, but a lot of these things add up to creating long-term health effects. And so that's important to keep in mind too, as we're moving through this pandemic. So everyone does have, we wanted to highlight that everybody does have different experiences with hypertension and high blood pressure because of your own personal experiences, your race, your gender, your sexuality, your socioeconomic status, and other just identify things you may identify with. So we wanted to highlight that Black women are most affected by heart disease, followed by white, Hispanic, and Asian American women. And as you can probably hear from the statistics we're referencing, there aren't many stats available on the non-binary population's experience with high blood pressure, heart disease. And this is honestly due to discrimination and lack of cultural sensitivity and pure neglect that the healthcare system has uh, put on this community. Um, And the healthcare system is really behind in acknowledging folks outside of the gender binary. And this directly causes harm because when you don't have statistics, then you don't have research. And if you're not collecting clinical data and understanding communities that are impacted by different health issues, then you can never solve it 
because there's just no way to know how to even begin solving it. And so this is something that we need to push for. Um, and obviously we see this with COVID, people are getting left out, left and right. Um, and so this is just something we need to push on. And again, it's hard <laughs> when you're experiencing it and it shouldn't be on you to have to advocate for yourself to be acknowledged in the healthcare system. And it's just something that if we all, if you listening are working in healthcare or even you're just experiencing healthcare, it, it's an issue we really need to solve as soon as possible. This is just going to continuously be an issue until people start to advocate for changes in even conducting these studies and putting the simple basic, when you're sorting these types of studies, you're sorting it between male and female and you're asking whoever's participating to identify themselves. It starts from right then and there um, in terms of creating these new statistics and data on people who don't really necessarily identify with either. Even taking that a step further, I would even advocate for with um, health um, entry forms when folks are coming to the hospital or seeking care or even just going to their primary practitioner, any type of practitioner, being so much more inclusive with your with your intake forms for patients so that one, they know that they're welcome and that um, that they're going to experience um, equitable care. And also, too, then that's data that uh, can be offered anonymously, of course, but like can be offered to contribute high. Like these percentage of folks have this experience, this percentage of folks have this experience, and just opening up that conversation that there are more than two genders and that people of different sexualities do have different experiences in healthcare. And that's Part of the reason why we wanted to come on here today is to try to open up that conversation. Yeah. And, you know, we throw out these fancy words like hypertension and high blood pressure, but I don't think that everyone necessarily knows what that means. Maybe they're too kind of scared to ask their doctor to explain it. So we just kind of wanted to go through the kind of basics of high blood pressure and what issues that this could cause for people. So high blood pressure is basically talking about the pressure that your blood is pushing in your arteries and your veins. There's two numbers that you usually see in your chart when they take it. They say that 120 over 80 is a good number, but really we would like to see that number under 120 over 80. Um, Just really briefly going to go over the top and the bottom number. The top number is when your heart is pushing blood through your body. And the bottom number is when your heart is relaxing. So this can be an issue for several reasons. If your blood pressure is too high, it can start to damage the vessels inside of your body. And this can lead to a lot of problems like leading to heart attacks, leading to strokes. So those are some of the more severe problems. It could also cause chest pain when you're trying to exercise and other things like that. But I think a lot of what the research kind of focuses on is how this is really caused and how this even begins for people. And there's a lot of things that have been found to cause high blood pressure. There's obesity, there's stress, there's a lot of salt-rich foods that we typically consume with our American diet that can also lead to high blood pressure. There could also be other medical conditions that another person may have, like hyperthyroidism or different types of tumors that could cause high blood pressure. 
And the symptoms of high blood pressure could include headaches, shortness of breath, nosebleeds, flushing of your skin, dizziness, chest pain, and visual changes. So as we talked about before, this is something that I think most people know someone who has high blood pressure. I mean, for me personally, there's people in my family who have it. And I kind of am lucky and fortunate to be aware of that situation and that in that knowing in the future that this is something that I have to watch out for. I, have, I know I have to exercise and kind of keep my diet and my fitness levels good because I know I could be prone to it just based off of my genetics. I don't know. How about you guys? What are some, do you guys know people or what are your experiences with it? Yeah, absolutely. My, I have a family history of high blood pressure and I think you're highlighting a really important point, Rachna, that, I have the privilege of have, have have been having access to at least a primary care physician my entire life. So developing that relationship um, and then just the simple ability of being able to go back to uh, um, to to um, get care anytime I need has allowed me to know that this is something that I need to be really mindful of when I make um choices about what I'm eating or um, habits about exercise and things like that. Yeah, and this brings up another point about patient intake forms because not even just when you're seeing, let's say you have to see a, a heart doctor or a cardiologist, but even when you see a general practitioner like we're talking about, there all, are all of these forms that ask you, do you have family history of X? Do you have family history of Y? And it's it's basically saying that I should know all of this stuff. And we all only know this because our family for generations has, have had access to healthcare. And that only comes from that. And so when we say that, and we talk about this a lot, and a lot of healthcare outreach and literature always says, know your family history. It's like, if you don't have family to turn to, um, you know, we're talking about a lot of social issues in this episode. Some people will not be able to talk to their family about this, even if they do have access to healthcare, because family dynamics are hard. Um, and I mean, we always talk about this, but if you don't know your family history, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Um, we could say have a healthy diet. We could say exercise. But I mean, if you don't know to do that, how can you be to blame for experiencing hypertension or high blood pressure? Yeah, and I think even just hearing you talk about the other things, so uh, exercising can help prevent it, eating healthier food can help prevent it, understanding the kind of balance between mental health and nutrition can also prevent high blood pressure. But like what you're saying, if the social structures aren't there to help support the person, then that person may not necessarily have access to these things. They're... I work in a hospital in a really poor area of New York and it's a food desert. It's really hard for people to get fresh food, fresh produce. So they, what do they do? They turn to the nearest fast food establishment down the corner, which is food filled with salt and all sorts of other bad things for you that can lead to these types of conditions. And, you know, it's not necessarily a safe area for you to be walking around in or for a female to kind of feel safe running in. So that kind of eliminates that option of 
getting some form of exercise. So it's very interesting to kind of think about. You bring up exercise too, which is such an important role um, because it gets the blood moving and it, it pr- promotes blood flow to all different parts of your body. But to make a comment about exercise, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Um, I'm really lucky that I live in a neighborhood that has sidewalks. There is one small section of my neighborhood that doesn't have sidewalks just because of how our neighborhood was built. And I was thinking when I was walking the other day, what would my experience exercising be like if I lived on a busier street and my entire block didn't have sidewalks? It would be really unsafe for me to exercise, but it's also not safe for me to go to gyms because I live with immunocompromised people in my home. And these are conversations that I think we need to have because to start shifting that blame that Christy was mentioning from the individual fault to looking for community solutions to hypertension and heart disease. And this, these diseases are also contributing factors in other types of diseases, such as depression and anxiety, because diet directly affects uh, mental health as well. So it's kind of taking a step back and looking at that bigger picture. Yeah, and we were saying before, we were talking about statistics and how lack of data or evidence contributes to poor health outcomes. Well, we have the statistics. We know that heart disease is one of the top two killers of Americans. So we know that this is an issue. And so it is up to our communities and our country to put their money where their mouth is. We're getting spewed all of this, these facts. Well, it's time to do something about it. I mean, we have all of these public health campaigns. There are all these signs at the grocery store, make a better choice. Well, most people don't have the opportunity to make that choice. So you better make that choice available soon, or you're going to see these numbers climb. And like we said, COVID is contributing to this. And, you know, our country and how they have treated healthcare this whole time and have treated people this whole time, it, it it's hard. But I just want you to know if you're listening and you're listening to really understand what hypertension is. And if you know that you do have risk here or you think that or you fall under a category where it will then put you into risk, it is not your fault. Um, like we're saying, like individual choices. Yes, that's a possibility. But we all are influenced to make choices and we all don't always have the option to actually make healthy choices. So please don't feel blame. It's not your fault. And there are resources out there for you. And we're going to give you a few tips on how to care for your heart, um, both mentally and physically, and some things that can help you maybe get some exercise that may not involve leaving the house or um, paying a lot of money to do so. So if, um, Natalie, Rachna, you want to go into some of those tips? Yes. And, you know, one of the things that kind of impacts me a lot is stress. And I know that can definitely raise my blood pressure. I recently got one of those like uh, fitness watches where I can like monitor my heart rate and stuff. And it's so high all the time. (laughs) And I think it's just because I'm so stressed when I'm at work and when I'm you know, studying and everything that it's just elevated. So this is something that I realized that I need to work on is just finding different stress relievers. And some things that have kind of worked to me, worked for me is um, taking the time to breathe. You know, meditation is something that people 
find kind of weird and uncomfortable because it's just taking that quiet moment to just stop thinking. Our minds are constantly, constantly running. So actually taking that moment to just breathe and just focus on breathing and not thinking about, think about anything else that's happening in the world, that actually can reduce your stress so much. And I feel so much more at peace if I even just take a minute to do that. Um, other things that I do is sometimes, I mean, exercise is actually my stress relief. So just even going into exercise, like finding new ways to exercise is really hard, especially with Corona and all the gyms closing. So what I've been doing is I've been looking at YouTube a lot and just finding different workout people and workout videos to do. And even if it's like a 15 minute video that if I'm like in a day that I'm really busy and I really don't have that much time to invest into working out, even just doing a 15 minute video can help boost your mood and just kind of make your day a little bit better. I don't know. What are some of the other tips that you guys have? One thing a friend told me to do, which I actually did, which was really fun, is a lot of the Just Dance videos are free on YouTube. Ooh, so there's a video God. game. I think it's on the Wii or I, I don't know which platform it was such on. A but you, if you don't, let's say you have weights at home or you have a water bottle or um, a, a perfume, like perfume bottle, I don't know, something that could get a little bit of weight in your hands, you do the Just Dance YouTube videos with like one pound weights in your hand and it really intensifies the workout a little bit, but you have some fun and get to listen to some good music while you do it. So I suggest that. And it's and if pretty you do much that free. YouTube version, then they won't, you know how they used to like grade you in the just dance videos. I would always do <laughs> yeah, they won't. <laughs> so at least if you do the YouTube videos that there will not be uh scoring <laughs> how well you do. No, totally. And honestly too, going off that thought, um, some of the newer trends with workout videos are that peop- um, folks will create their own dances to one song if they can get that song like on YouTube. So say that you're a beginner for working out because I'm such a beginner. Um, this is something that I've loved. Um, you know what? Working out, I'm getting a little nervous about it today. All right. Well, if I do two dances, I'm moving for 10 minutes and it's fun. Like I don't have to put too much thought into it. I don't have to, you know, Proper form is super important exercising, but as a beginner and as someone who can't get into the gym right now, I might not know exactly how to do that. So you don't need proper form to dance. You could just dance. Like it's it just dance. I didn't, I didn't mean to do that, but yeah, like that's a goal to get the blood like pumping and flowing and moving, and you get on your feet for ten minutes a day. It doesn't have to be super intense with all the different types of equipment and. Um, you know, all the workout clothes and the memberships and things like that. Like, we are advocates for accessible and inclusive exercise. Um, there's exercise for folks with different abilities. There's exercise, like I mentioned before, for folks of different skill levels. But this is something that you can reclaim and take back and advocate. Like, this is a way to advocate for yourself and taking care of yourself. And kind of like Rachna was mentioning with the meditation, it's something purely for you. Um, space you can carve if you can carve out into your day Um, it's probably one of the best ways to prevent heart disease and hypertension is just getting your body moving and you're feeling good when you do it too so mood is such a huge thing Um, like we were talking about stress earlier it's if you're dancing to uh, the Ra Ra Routine song on YouTube it's kind of hard to be in a bad mood like it's it definitely everything kind of 
plays into effect, uh, effect together. And that's what we wanted to talk about too with like the exercise component. Yeah, and I actually wanted to add this because it's actually very, very important and it's one of the leading causes of heart disease. And I can't believe I forgot to mention it, but smoking is a big problem. And even just reducing the amount that you smoke, and I'm talking about cigarettes in particular, just reducing the amount that you smoke will make such a big difference in curbing different heart disease and hypertension or different types of any type of disease basically can cause uh, be caused by smoking. So if you could find the courage to quit, I know it's really hard because it's so addictive, but even just cutting one cigarette a day, that could make so much of a difference for you. So that is for all of our maybe smoker listeners that we have out there or jewelers, because that's apparently the new thing now. Yeah, so. research is growing in that department in terms of seeing how those uh, tools affect respiratory and heart health as well. So yeah, it's definitely it definitely counts. It definitely um, does affect bodies in some way that we're still learning about. Yeah, and I think last of all, the best way to kind of prevent heart disease is to see it coming. So just go to your doctor every year. I know it's hard and I I work in the healthcare professional field and it's hard for me too. I'm just like, I don't have time to do this. Same, I don't have a primary care physician. Yeah, my primary care physician changes like every year, every two years, but you know, just even getting in yourself to go to the office and have the screenings done do you know what your blood pressure is or or has been recently? I don't even know what mine has been recently. So just going into the office to kind of get your baseline and know where you're at right now can be so important in catching it earlier and preventing it by putting all the modification strategies that we talked about earlier, by exercising, by changing your food habits, by eating less salty foods, um, by kind of finding ways to relieve your stress, that can all make a difference. And the biggest way to kind of figure out if you need to implement those changes is by going to your doctor. Yeah. And we know it's scary. Like like we said before, the healthcare system really does only work for a certain amount of people, like in terms of research, in terms of training. And I think we are getting somewhere where we are incorporating different points of view and different backgrounds into actually creating an equitable healthcare system. But it's hard to trust your doctor, especially like Rachna, you said, a lot of us have to change our doctors every year. Now, if you are lucky to get health insurance through your employer, if you change your job, you probably have to change health insurance, which means you then have to change your doctor and you know people have to change jobs a lot now because of COVID and just the way the world is so a resource that we found and a lot of there are a lot of nonprofits out there luckily that help you learn how to make a game plan with going to the doctor but one that we found that I think is pretty helpful is um, you can search the American Heart Association heart to heart talking to your doctor And it gives you a lot of talking points of what exactly do you ask the doctor? You know, when you go to a general practitioner, they could be testing or weighing you or doing X, Y, and Z for a lot of different reasons. And if you are worried about uh, high blood pressure or 
heart disease or anything of the sort, knowing what to ask can be a really good starting point. And even just knowing the tests that they would potentially do is good because they do start to add up and you want to know if you actually need the test or, um, you know, you just want to know what the heck is going on when you go to the doctor's office. So we really suggest looking at a few of those free resources just to kind of give you a script to go into the doctor with because it, it is scary. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Christy, for finding that resource because sometimes folks don't know where to look and that's okay. There are so many other things that we have to worry about in our day-to-day, especially if you're a caregiver, um, if you are running your household, if you are just even a loving sibling and you have different responsibilities, folks work. There are so many things that I know that I I have reasons why sometimes my own health isn't always at the top of my priorities list. And while it should, it doesn't mean that it is. Um, and those reasons are justified, especially because of this this broken system that we're in where we're not honestly even taught to prioritize our own health. I know they're starting to do those programs in school, like Jump Rope for Heart, which is amazing. Um, that was around when I was little. And I'm still trying to figure out how to properly like exercise and things like that. So they work in the moment, moment, I think. And I think their intentions are amazing. But we need much, much larger scale, like in terms of scale, we need a much larger scale uh, type of intervention. And that's what we're advocating for here today. But while we're waiting for that, that's why we wanted to share with you these ways that you can advocate for yourself, uh, some small changes that you can make if you're able. And our goal is to make you feel empowered and educated and strong because you are all of those things. And thank you so much uh, for joining us here today. We're the triage and we were so excited to get to meet all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you.